Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Tonight's show will be hosted by a stammering baboon on crack cocaine. Oh wait, that's our regular guy. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you for the last time ever from Concord, North Carolina. Ha, thought I might have had you there. I'll explain that in just a minute. Uh, on tonight's show, I'm going to talk about a couple of famous pipe smokers for you. My guest is Terry Carpenter, and Terry, I've been a friend of his on Facebook for years, and I believe we've met once or twice at pipe shows, but Terry's done a lot of pipe and tobacco reading and did a great video on Facebook, so we'll have him on, and uh, he'll talk about that. Uh, Music, no mailbag, explain that in just a minute. And uh, rant, all that coming up in uh, tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Now, this show is 100% pre-recorded, and it's actually pre-recorded on Saturday, July 7th. Why? Because today is moving day, and it'll be the first day in our new house. So here's how the schedule is supposed to go. And again, I'm doing this, uh, you know, two weeks in advance or, uh, you know, 12 days in advance, but here's how the schedule's supposed to go. I get back from the IPCPR on July 15th, my uh, wedding anniversary, and then the next day is Sunday where I have to pack up all of the stuff that I don't want the movers to touch. So that means I'll be packing up a lot of my pipes and uh, my pipes and my pipes... And a few other things. Um, We'll get ready for the movers who will arrive the next day on Monday to come and pack the house. And then on Tuesday, they will drive drive the truck the five miles to the new house and unload it there. So I didn't want to try and squeeze in a Pipes Magazine radio show in there when I knew it was going to be First of all, coming back from a long week in Las Vegas, and second of all, I'm not sure where the <laughs> what the internet situation is going to be like at the new house quite yet, and uh, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff is up in the air. So I thought, you know what, let's just go ahead and pre-record this and make sure and have it out there, and then that gives me a week to be in the house and get the studio set up and get everything settled in. Um, and again, I'll be packing up my own pipes and carrying those and uh, carrying a few other things that I don't want anybody else to uh, touch. Uh, like anybody else, I would highly advise you, if you're moving, don't let them touch your pipes. All right, everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. Right, here we go with a couple of uh, famous pipe smokers, uh, two completely different parts of the world and uh, different uh, different areas of work. Uh, the first one is uh, George Simenon, uh, born in Belgium, was uh, born there February 1903, 
and uh, died September of 1989. He was a uh, prolific writer, uh, writing over uh, 500 novels and short works. However, he's best known as the creator of the fictional detective Jules Magrette, who also was a pipe smoker. Uh, Simonon, you know, grew up the you know, born and raised in Belgium. In uh, at about age 15, he was uh, uh, brought in to uh, start doing some writing. At the Gazette de Liege, a newspaper. Uh, and uh, while he was there, he uh, his only uh, the only beat he covered was unimportant human interest stories, but it got him an opportunity to explore the uh, the seamier side of the city, including politics, bars, cheap hotels, and I'm I'm skimming through the article on him on Wikipedia. Uh, his his first novel was written in June 1919. And published in 1921 under his G. Sim pseudonym. Uh, he also published more than 800 humorous pieces between 1919 and 1922, and then he stopped writing for the Gazette. During uh, that period, Simeon's familiarity with nightlife, prostitutes, drunkenness, and carousing increased. The people he rubbed elbows with included anarchists, bohemian artists, and even two future murderers. The later appearing in his novel *Le Trois Crimes de Ami*, uh, he also frequented a group of artists known as *Le C A Q U E*. Not sure how to pronounce that. Um, that's where he met a uh, met his future wife, though. Uh, he used uh, in the 1920s and early 40s or early 30s. He used 17 pen names while writing. 358 novels and short stories. Uh, but the most famous of what he did was he wrote the he wrote Magrette and 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 of course involved a pipe in it. To the best of my knowledge, uh, Simonon was a lifelong devotee of the pipe and often a uh, a, a stout advocate of pipe smoking. Uh, he spent uh, 10 years post-World War II in the U.S. and Canada, traveling around and writing while he was here, then uh, went back to Europe in 1955, and uh, again, as late as, uh, uh, as late as a year before his death, he was seen smoking a pipe. Uh, he was honored on a coin, and on the coin he's smoking what looks like a Canadian pipe. So, if you want some... Uh, you want some good reading? Uh, find some of the Magret novel novels, and uh, you'll enjoy them. Uh, the other one, <laughs> uh, the 38th president of the United States, Gerald R. Ford, uh, who was actually born Leslie Lynch King in uh, July 1913, died December 26 of 2006. He was the last American president to smoke regularly in the office. Now, we know that there's uh, been rumors of what Bill Clinton did with cigars, or smoked cigars in the office, and we know that uh, Obama was uh, sneaking cigarettes at times, but Gerald Ford was regularly photographed as president holding a pipe. There was pipe stands on his desk in the Oval Office, he would have an ashtray and sit there and smoke them. He also holds the distinction of uh, never getting elected to 
high office. I mean, he was he was in the he was in Congress and then uh, got appointed vice president because uh, Hubert Humphrey had to resign, and then uh, took over for uh, <laughs> for uh, Nixon eight months later. Uh, to finish out Nixon's term because uh, Nixon had to leave. Uh, he holds the record for being the uh, the longest living president, 93 years and 165 days, while his 895-day presidency is the shortest of all presidents who did not die in office. Uh, now, I do know that towards the end of his life and towards uh, his wife, Betty Ford, became an advocate for addiction treatment. And towards the end of his uh, life, in support of uh, the Betty Ford Clinic and all the work that they were doing, he did quit smoking, uh, but uh, continued, you know, had smoked all the way up until uh, probably the mid 1980s, 1990, early 1990s. And. Uh, uh, a couple of other things that he did, uh, he officially wrapped up the United States in uh, Vietnam and got us completely pulled out of there. Um, he also, uh, he won the, uh, he won the Republican primary for, uh, for his reelect, just barely squeaking out a victory over Governor Ronald Reagan, and then, uh, lost to, uh, Jimmy Carter in the, uh, national election. Um, it was, uh, this made, uh, made Ford the first president who succeeded to office as a result of a midterm vacancy since Chester Arthur not to be elected on his own right. So he's got a, a little bit of a political history and, uh, trivia questions there in U.S. presidential politics. Uh, so, uh, Gerald Ford, president of the United States and, uh, pipe smoker for most of his life. There you go. Two famous pipe smokers. And in just a minute, Terry, we'll have uh, Terry Carpenter with us. This is Internet Radio. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at one 888 366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us is a, is a, a fellow pipe smoker that I'm excited to have on because I saw a video that Terry did a couple weeks back. I don't remember when it was, but it was on Facebook, and I thought it was well worthwhile to have you on the show. So please welcome Terry Carpenter to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Oh, thanks. I'm glad to be here. 
All right, so let let's get to know you first of all. Where'd you uh, where'd you grow up? And I and I bet it was below the uh, Mason Dixon line from the sound of your uh, accent. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a hillbilly. I grew up in northeastern Tennessee, up in the <laughs> quarter where Virginia, North Carolina, and uh, Tennessee all come together. It's a burly burly country, and uh, I. Lived here. I was born here. I grew lived here until I was eighteen, and then I enlisted in the army and spent the next quarter century, more or less, traveling around the world to see things. And then when I retired, I came right back to the place that I grew up. So <laughs> it's so, kind of funny. When I was when I was eighteen, I couldn't wait to get out of here. But the older I got, the better this part of the country looks. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. You're right in the heart of uh, the heart of uh, folk music, uh, burly tobacco, and moonshining. There you go. You got it. <laughs> it's it's the three I, basic I, food I, groups. I, I could agree. I could, I could I could give you some personal personal anecdotes about at least two of those. I won't <laughs> say which one I don't know much about. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you what did you do when were you in the army? Yes. Yeah. I was, well, actually. I spent, uh, I retired from the Army, but I also spent some time at the U.S. Navy, so I'm sort of a, sort of a, a dual service kind of person. I, I did eight years in the Navy and a little over 12, almost 14 years in the Army, so, so that's, uh, that's, that's my, that's my experience in the military. So you got tired of being uh, being trucked all around to different parts of the world. So then you wanted to retire and you wanted to sail around to different parts of the world. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's an interesting story about me going into the navy, but that's all right. I will will pass on that because it's too long and not germane to what we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so did you start smoking a pipe while you were in the army? Uh, no, I started smoking a pipe when I was 14 years old. My parents gave me a pipe for Christmas in 1966, and uh, it's been—I've uh, been on a downhill slide ever since. So that—that <laughs> that is that part of the country. They probably gave you a pipe just so that you wouldn't chew tobacco. Well, I—I I didn't give my dad too much credit. I—I don't, I don't know, you know. If you're familiar with Mark Twain, he said yeah. in one of his essays that his father didn't know much when he was 14, but by the time he was 21, the old man had learned a lot. <laughs> well, I, be, I believe my father knew that I was sneaking around smoking cigarettes, and since he knew he could not stop me from doing that, he decided he was going to put point me in a different direction. <laughs> and uh, little did he know what a... A can of worms he had opened up. It's, uh, you know, it, it's 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 been quite a quite a quite a ride, and I've I've really enjoyed my fifty plus years of of smoking a pipe. It just uh, I don't know what I would have done, you know, without it. It's uh, it's become a part of my character now, and I I can't picture myself without my pipe either in my hand or in my mouth. Do you remember what kind of pipe that was that your that your parents gave you? Yes, I do. It was a Dr. Graybo Duke. And, and they and didn't the they didn't have any glow. problem with buying you a pipe that was from just on the other side of the Smokies in North Carolina. Not at all. Okay, nope. that was that was a pretty common 
that was the pipe and the pipe of choice for most of the farmers I knew growing up was the Dr. Grabo's. It's they all seemed like all of them smoked them, <laughs> and they also gave me a tin of uh, Sir Walter Raleigh uh, tobacco, it, uh, the old flip top two ounce tin. Yeah. That was uh, that was my introduction to pipe smoking. All right, now I gotta ask: Did your dad did he, did your dad show you how to pack it and light it, and or did did you have to figure it out on your own? No, I had to figure it out on my own. But my dad, believe it or not, did not smoke at all. He was one of the few adult males I knew as a child who who didn't use tobacco in one form or another. And I don't know, you know, I, I never asked him why he bought me a pipe. At what he did, but uh, but I'll always be grateful to him for having done it. So from that one pipe on, you were that was your thing, and you and you, it just oh, stuck to was, you. Yeah, that was like that was Nirvana. It was I didn't I didn't know a lot about smoking a pipe when I started because even though I knew a lot of people who. Who, who smoked a pipe, most of them were not confirmed pipe smokers. They were just as likely to chew a cannonball plug or to roll cigarettes out of their pipe tobacco or, you know, smoke, have a tap of cigars. They just, the pipe was just another way that they got their nicotine. So they weren't real <laughs> versed in how to actually use one. As a matter of fact, I knew a few people who I don't believe they ever cleaned their pipe at all. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, as a 14-year-old kid, I, I didn't think too much about that, but, you know, now I just I can't see how you could get by without at least keeping the internals of your pipe clean. I'm not, a, I'm not real big on, you know, keeping my pipes looking pristine, but I do insist that they stay clean on the inside yeah, yeah. yeah. At, at least functional too yeah functional exactly yeah <laughs> yeah i knew people as a kid who would dump new tobacco in on top of old tobacco and just keep it going for you know hours at a time and it was it was it was interesting to watch them i enjoyed it but you know <laughs> i just don't see how they could do it that way <laughs> so, so when did you get your second pipe I got my second pipe probably uh, maybe six weeks after I got my first. Uh, you'll have to remember that I grew up at a time when you could walk into any drugstore, uh, grocery store, gas station, and 99 times out of 100, they had a rack of pipes hanging on the wall. Yeah. And uh, most of the time, they didn't ask you any questions. If you wanted to buy something, and you had money, and you were tall enough to put your money on the counter, they'd sell it to you. So my second pipe was another Dr. Grabo pipe, but it was not, uh, it was one of the ones with the adjustomatic stem as opposed to the, the, the six millimeter filter like the Duke was. And uh, those were pretty much the only kind of pipes I smoked for probably about eight or nine years until in about 1975 and that was that was my watershed year i discovered three things that year that just just brought my pipe smoking enjoyment to an entirely new level 
first I, I discovered that tinderbox tobacco chade <laughs> and uh, just the fact that there was a store devoted exclusively to pipes and tobacco and cigars and anything that a smoker would need that was like mind-blowing to me <laughs> and then I discovered uh, Tom Dunn and a little uh, organization called uh, the Universal Coterie of Pipe Smokers. Yeah. And thirdly, I discovered English Tobacco. Uh-oh. And that was it. That was all she wrote. That's that's English Tobaccos have been my soft spot for the last 40 years. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big English fan. Uh oh, and that was, and I guess that was also when you could smoke just about anywhere you wanted to when you were in the military. Yes, yeah, it's. Uh, I worked at a. I was I was in military intelligence, and I know I've heard all the jokes about how military intelligence are a contradiction <laughs> in terms. But anyway, I, I worked in a military intelligence uh, organization, and there were thirteen of us who worked behind uh, a door that was constant, always locked. And you had to have a, a password, a combination to get through the door. And there were no windows in that room at all. And there were 13 people who worked in there, and seven of us were pipe smokers. <laughs> and at least three out of the other four uh, were cigarette smokers, or three out of the other six were cigarette smokers and it was it was the the proverbial smoke filled room in that place <laughs> i mean it was but you know we survived <laughs> uh, that had to be beautiful well you know i've i've seen a lot of changes in pipe smoking and uh in in the environment and uh i'm still optimistic about it because despite all the demonization that we get anymore there are still young people who are coming into the hobby yeah and i really i really like seeing that uh it's you know i believe i firmly believe that there will be pipe smokers as long as there are people on earth because it's just there's just too much, too much good things about too many good things about it. Like it, it's relaxing, and it's you know, I I really don't know how to explain it, but I do believe that it will be around forever, even with even if they prohibit it. I think, fortunately, I live in a place where there's enough hollers and dales around here. I could go back there and grow my own tobacco if I have to. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the kind of like the mood chatters do it uh you know around here these days <laughs> i don't, i don't know anything about that um but that's why i mean yeah, that's I why i know. was i was really glad to see the video you did because you talked about some of your favorite pipe books and i mean you obviously you've done a lot of reading on pipes and going back to the ephemeris and and uh but if you could we'll uh Get started with uh, with some of your favorite pipe books and tell us what's in them and uh, what we could, you know, what what made it your favorite and uh, and why should we read them? Well, the first one, the first one I talked about in the video I did was uh, Weber's Guide to Pipes and Pipe Smoking. It's a 
it's a fairly short book and he covers all the basics he he's a he's a firm believer in uh let me just drag it down off the shelf here and just uh kind of kind of give you a synopsis here it's it's it says this book tells you all about pipes and the artist smoking them and he's got some of the chapters in here is what is a pipe and then he goes to Briar and Mearsham, the king and queen of pipes the different types of pipes and how to select a pipe and selecting tobaccos and the art and science of smoking and he's got a section on how pipes are made uh, different pipes of ex different types of accessories the pipe is a hobby, questions and answers about pipes, and he does it all in about 130 pages. And it's not a real in-depth book. It's a uh, it's it's a it's a quick start guide to to how to get involved in pipe smoking and what to look for and what to uh, you know the basics of how to load your pipe, how to light it, how to keep it lit, uh, the importance of tamping. Uh, just just basic information like that and uh he also goes into a little bit on how on different types of tobaccos although it's not real in-depth but it, it you know it, it just gives you a quick guide on how to how to uh how to get started basically and uh that you know that was i bought that book probably I don't know, two or three years after I started smoking a pipe. So, and like I said earlier, I I learned the basics on my own. It was it was touch and go. And uh, <laughs> there were times when I didn't know whether I was going to stay with it or not. So, you know, it was kind of kind of kind of a, a a hit and miss kind of thing for me. And I think the more you know before you get started, the better off you will be in the long run. Uh, that's that's why I like that one, and then uh, the next one, which is really one of my favorites, is Carl Awa's book of pipes and tobacco. I mean, yeah. I, this is this is the classic book on on pipe smoking and the the just everything you want to know about it. It's he covers things like. Starts all the way back, you know, when Christopher Columbus discovered America in 1492, and takes you up through different kinds of pipes and the the clays and the corn cobs and the meerschaums and the briars and pipes out of different other kinds of wood and and then he's got an extensive section on tobacco with different different types of tobaccos and. Uh, how tobacco comes to market and just just all that kind of thing. And it, it's it's another it's another one that I I really feel everybody should find a copy of it and add it to their library. Uh, those those are those are two of the the big ones. Let me uh, let me just say that uh, Carl's last name is E H W A and the. Uh... The uh, best way to find it is to find a copy either on Amazon or on eBay. And we'll take yeah. a break right here. Then we come back. We'll talk more books with uh, with Terry. And uh, maybe we'll uh, sip a little moonshine while we're talking. So we'll be back in just a minute. 
Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, Terry Carpenter. And all right, Terry, book the the next book of your favorites. Which one is it? That would have to be uh, Jose Manuel, Manuel Lopes Lopez's Pipes and Artisans. Yeah. If 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 you're into if you're into the history of pipes, this man does an excellent job he he spent some time tracking down the history of i god i don't know how many of them there are in here but there are there are several hundred different pipe companies and pipe makers and you know all kinds of different things and if you want to know who made a pipe or where it was made or who the who the the craftsman was he's Got it. He doesn't cover everybody, but but he did a pretty good job. He he came close to covering everybody in the world, and uh, and the, that's the thing about it too. It's a worldwide thing. It's not just North American or European or you know Japanese. He's he's got Americans and North Americans and Canadians and the all the great Danes and the French and the English and everybody in this book and. Uh, it's kind of pricey, or at least it was. I think I paid somewhere close to a hundred dollars for mine, but uh, but it's it's worth it if if you really want to know. You know, if you buy a pipe on the estate market and you don't know anything about it, there's a pretty good likelihood you're going to find something about it in this book. <laughs> and uh, it's it, just I I use it constantly. It's a pretty hardy, almost like a coffee table size book, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's like a, I guess about a eleven or ten by ten or ten by eleven. Some yeah, it's a pretty good sized book. It's it's yeah. uh, two hundred sixty four pages, but they're all oversized pages, and it's it's double columns. It's got pictures in it, and uh, you know pictures of of the pipe makers, pictures of different their their products, different styles they make, and what they're known for. And, uh, it's just, it's it's an invaluable resource as far as I'm concerned. The only other one that I would, uh, that I would, uh, that I don't have, and I really would like to have, is Who Made That Pipe by uh, Tom Colwell, and uh, his name slips my mind right now. But anyway, I'd like to have that one. I never have got a copy of it uh, but uh, you know, it's one that's that's on the list, <laughs> and 
Uh, and uh, then there's uh, Ian Gately's book, Tobacco. And uh, that book was just a joy to read. It's, 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 a, it's a balanced history of how smoking spread. I mean, all kinds of smoking, cigarettes, cigars, pipes, you know, how tobacco spread from from the Americas and took over the entire world, you know, to a, to a certain extent. And, uh, and he's not dogmatic about it. He's not anti-tobacco, but he, he's not pro-tobacco. He's, he's balanced. He's one of the few balanced writers I've found uh, that can approach that subject with any kind of a non-prejudiced uh, approach. And, and I just, I, I love to read that book. It's, it's about 10 or 12 years old. Well, it's probably over that now. I think it came out about 2001, but, but it's still, still one of the best books I've ever read on the history of smoking. So it's more of a, uh, more of an academic or uh, educated research piece on it. Well, yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's a, uh, it's not loaded with footnotes or anything, if that's what you mean. I mean, you know, but it, it, he did, he did a lot of research on it. And, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a good in-depth history of, of the history of tobacco. And I just, you know, I love it also. I, I haven't read it in a while, but, uh, most of these books that I have, I go back and read them ever. Some of them I reread every year and some of them, uh, every two or three years, I'll pull it down off the shelf and, and go back through it. It's it's almost like I don't know about you, but when I read a book the first time, I don't get as much out of it as I could. So the second time I read it, it's a lot of times it's like, wow, I didn't see that before, and you know, <laughs> yeah. and then the third, fourth time I read it, there's even more in it. That's that's kind of like uh, I'm one of the fortunate few in the world to have both volumes of Tom Dudd's Pipe Smokers and Fevers books. And yeah. uh, those, that's another set of books I get out about once a year and just just sit down. I, you, you can pick it up and open it up anywhere. It's just like it was written yesterday. I mean, it's, and it's a good, it's also a good historical uh, overview of, of pipe smoking from the '60s up through the time that Tom passed away in 2005. I mean, it's it's just a, it, it, it's like you're frozen in time, and uh, you could go back and read about how it used to be, and uh, you know, or and although I'm not saying that it's any better the way it used to be, I'm just it's just different, you know, today. It's but uh, those are some of the ones, and then. Uh, then there's uh, the Tobacco and Americans book, which is another book on the history of tobacco, but it's more oriented toward the the United States and how tobacco has impacted the the economy and the the culture of this country from colonial times up through the 1950s. Uh, it's another coffee table sized book. It's about I don't know. 11 inches by 11 inches and probably well let me just take a quick look here it's about 300 pages also and uh, 
it's got graphs and charts and pictures of old advertisements and old, you know, all kinds of things. And it, it's just, it's another one of those books that, uh, that I, I like to read from time to time. I like to use it for historical. When somebody asks me about something or when I run across something that I want to know approximate time period that it might have happened, I can drag out this book and look at it and say, okay, that was probably around, you know, whenever. And uh, who, is, who is it written by? It's written by a man named Robert K. Hyman. That's H-E-I-M-A-N-N. And it was published in, uh, uh, let's see, it was published in 1960. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a, and it's again, it's not one of those not one of those books that's chock full of, of footnotes. It's written in a in a very readable manner, and uh, you don't have to have a PhD to be able to to make sense out of it. So <laughs> that that's one of the things. I'm I'm not the the most highly educated man in the world, and I like things that are simple. So you know, <laughs> I like to stay with them, and. Uh, then there's one other one here that uh, I'd like to to bring to uh, like to reiterate and that's the Pipe Smokers Tobacco Book by yep. Robert F. Winans. And uh, I made a mistake when I I said this is a reprint from Briar Books Press, but it's not. It was sold by Briar Books Press, but uh, it's actually one of the original copies. Apparently, Gary got a got a got a hold of these in a warehouse or somewhere and, and bought all the extra copies that were left and he sold them through Briar Books Press. I don't know whether he's still got any available or not, but uh, if you can find it, it's and if you have any interest in, in tobacco and tobacco blending and how one tobacco correlates with another and, you know, some of the things that these these master blenders, the way they come up with these blends, Mr. Winans goes into some 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 detail on how how that whole thing comes about. And uh, it's uh it's it's something that I will never be able to, to duplicate. I mean I can take some Carter Hall and some, you know uh, half and half and toss them together and call it whatever, but I can never <laughs> do what uh, people like Mike McNeil or uh, or uh, uh, Greg Tarler or you know Craig Tarler or any of those people can do where I can sit down with some Burley and some Latakia and some Cavendish and work out if I put this together in this particular manner how it's going to how it's gonna gonna smoke and you know what you're going to get out of it, but this is this is a book. This book, the Pipe Smokers Tobacco Book, it's it's one that if if you're interested in blending at all, you really need to read it. It's a uh, it's just it's it's a little technical, but it's a fascinating book to read. How many uh, how many books are in your pipe and tobacco library? Ah. Uh, I really don't know. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I've got 
I've got everything that Gary, that Briar Books Press has ever published, which is, and then I've got, uh, I've got three copies of, uh, of, uh, In Search of Pipe Dreams. Uh, and then I've got Still Searching for Pipe Dreams. I've got Hacker's Books. I've got, uh, I've got a book published by the, by Dunhill, written by Michael Balfour called 100, Alfred Dunhill, 100 Years and More. I've got, uh, I don't really know. I'd have to sit here and count them. <laughs> and, uh, that's not counting all the magazines and catalogs and, uh, advertising pamphlets and, uh, just general BS that I got laying around here. I've got it in, uh, in, in every room of the house, it seems like. <laughs> something, something dealing with tobacco. Or pipe smoking, I've got literature pertaining to it in just about every room of the house. I've got an entire run of Pipe Lovers magazine. I've got all of all of uh, Tad Gage's uh, the the complete smoker. Uh, I've got both copies of the Wonderful World of Pipes. I've, I really don't know, Brian. I, I, it's kind of <laughs> like my pipes. I stopped counting pipes when I got to three hundred five. And uh, I don't know how many I own now. So, that was, so in, that was about twenty years ago. In uh, in Northeast Tennessee, there's the uh, the Terry Carpenter uh, Pipes and Tobacco Library. Uh, well, yeah, yep, and uh, you know, if people are, would like to contact me and uh, and find out about or even borrow some of them, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm. I'm a little one way about my collection, but uh, I'm learning that if I want uh, if I want people to understand, I'm going to have to have to let go a little bit. So uh, I'd be more than willing to to send uh, to uh, let people borrow copies of these if they wanted them, or I could even make copies and scan them and mail them to you if if it's not too long. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to copy a I'm not going to scan a 300-page book, but if you would like a particular part of it, I would be glad to do that for anybody that wants to. You can get a hold of Terry by the same way I did. Go to Facebook and uh, send Terry Carpenter a uh, friend request. That'll work. Yep, that'll that will work fine. And uh, you know, I'm I'm always available. I've uh, I've started. Uh, one thing about this giving back thing, I started on one of the Facebook pages. I don't know whether it's, it's kosher for me to mention which one it is on a program like this, but mention uh, anything you I'm, want, just as long as just don't mention how much you don't like me. <laughs> well, it's it's on uh, Briar Nation, uh, which is a Facebook page, Briar Nation, and uh, every week on Saturday for the last couple of weeks, I've posted a video giving away a free pipe and uh, I'm going to do that for at least another couple of weeks maybe I really don't know it depends I've got a lot of pipes laying around here that really don't get the attention they deserve and uh, I, I, I would rather see somebody get them that could uh, could use them and uh, you know I only have Two require oh well actually I only have one requirement for people to enter the contest they have to be a new pipe smoker they have to have been smoking a pipe for less than a year 
and they're eligible to enter. That's the only the only requirement I have. And uh, the easy, it's easy, real easy to enter. All you got to do is go to the video and like it or react to it in some way. And uh, then uh, then I'll, they each run for a week, and at the end of the week, I ask my wife to choose a number, and we go down <laughs> to likes, and whoever's got that number is the one that the one that wins the pipe. And uh, it's that simple. So you could, uh, you know, please, please feel free to, if you're a new pipe smoker, please feel free to enter the contest anytime you want. You can enter as many contests as you want. You know, I don't care if somebody wins two pipes or three pipes from me. If, if that's the way the luck of the draw works out, that's the way it'll be. But anyway. <laughs> you're just giving back, and, uh, and, and we appreciate that. And, you know, we need to get more... Uh, get more pipe smokers out there and get them on the pipes that'll make them happy. Well, that's, you know, that's the thing about it. I, I had people when I started, well, not exactly when I started, but later on, I had people that were willing to work with me and to give me advice and show me how to do things. And that's, you know, that's one of the most enjoyable things about it. That's one of the things I like about going to pipe shows is I go, yeah, I go to look at the new pipes and all the new stuff, but I really enjoy just talking to people, especially new people that, uh, you know, I re I remember my reaction when I walked into a pipe show the first time. It was like, Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> that's all this is, all these people are pipe smokers and this is all, you know, it was like, it was like being in heaven. And, uh, you know, I, I I would like to foster that feeling among new pipe smokers as as we go along, especially in this this time that we're living in. And uh, you know, so so I'm trying to anybody who wants to get in contact with me and talk about pipes and smoke pipes and pipe tobacco and smoking. Hey, I'm willing. Uh, you know, if you ever pass through my part of the country, we can get together and have a cup of coffee someday so <laughs> if, if that, that's what you're willing to do if that's what you want just, anyway, just I, be careful talking. just be careful of that clear liquid that he may want to put in that coffee with you uh yeah 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 there's a, there's a little bit of that floating around up here <laughs> <laughs> not that i personally know anybody that that does that but hey that's okay <laughs> i i don't know anything uh but yeah. Terry, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Go ahead. What is your favorite pipe? The one I'm smoking now. Eh. Which oh, I, changes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, and then the next one is going to be your next favorite pipe. Um, That's exactly right. Yeah, right now I'm smoking a, a, a Radice Reverse Calabash that I bought from Sally the pipe tart and uh, <laughs> it's a uh, really really is a an interesting little pipe <laughs> what is your favorite tobacco uh anything with latakia in it uh really my my go-to tobacco for the last several years has been peter stokeby's english luxury but uh if it's got if it's got latakia in it and some orientals uh, i could I could deal with it. <laughs> what is your favorite drink? My favorite drink is uh, coffee. Uh, mostly dark roast. 
Oh, now we get now we get along. We we don't we we don't share tobacco taste, but we can get along on the black coffee. Uh, <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A book. Yeah, I, I had that one pegged. Uh, <laughs> and then lastly, before we go, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we didn't talk about? Uh. It would probably have to be the trip I made to uh, Washington, D.C. when my son was three weeks old to give him a passport. I, uh, I, We were stationed in Germany at the time, but we wanted to take our son. He was born in the United States, and uh, we wanted to take him back to Germany with us, and everybody told us it was going to be at least three weeks to get a birth certificate, six weeks after that to get a passport, and I had to be back in less than 30 days. Oh. So... Uh, I found out that if I had carried his his passport application to the State Department in D.C., that I could get same-day service. So we, my wife's parents lived in Delaware at the time, and we made a, a visit to them. And one morning, I borrowed my father-in-law's car and drove over to, to the district and dropped off the passport. They told me it would be about four hours before I could pick it up. And uh, I was walking down the street in D.C. without a clue as to what I was going to do for four hours. And I ran into this place called Garfinkel's. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, I'll walk in here and see if I can find out where I could get a good cup of coffee or something. And uh, when I went through the door, uh, there was a guy that met me. And uh, he greeted, he, you know, said, how you doing? Asked if he could help. And I said, well, I'm just looking for a good cup of coffee. And. He told me to wait a minute, and he went in the back and came back out with two mugs of coffee, and uh, it was uh, it was a, it was a Garfinkel's tobacco with, uh, on uh, I Street in Washington D.C. And I <laughs> I spent the entire time that I was wondering what I was going to do. I spent the entire time in there talking to this guy and looking at pipes and uh, tobacco, talking about tobacco and. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just about didn't make it to back to the State Department before the before the uh, the office closed that day. So uh, that would have to be my favorite memory right there. <laughs> Terry, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll get a whole bunch of people uh, following you on uh, Facebook and reaching out to you, and thanks for everything you're doing. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Brian, and I appreciate uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And we'll be back in just a minute. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco 
It's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. This is Internet Radio. I just want to thank Terry again for joining us. And boy, I've got a whole bunch more questions. Maybe we'll have him back on and talk about some of his least favorite books and some of the... uh, some of the bad books that he's written or read, but uh, anyway, uh, reach out to him. He's a, he's a great guy and wants to help out and pass along all this knowledge. And uh, you know, just reach out to him. See what you see what you can learn. Anyway, for music, um, so those formative years, uh, you know, thirteen, fourteen, when you're first discovering music. Two albums, the two record albums that I first bought with my own money. Uh, Foreigner, Foreigner 4, and Rush, the 2112 album. And then when uh, Moving Pictures came out later, it was even a bigger influence on me. Rumor is that uh, Neil Neil Pert, drummer, was a pipe smoker. Uh, Don't have any real proof of it, but heard rumors, and he actually smoked tobacco in it. Anyway, this is one of my favorites, and I got kicking around thinking about it a couple weeks ago now, and uh, I just I, I love this song. But anyway, here's uh, Rush in uh, Red Barchetta.
Honestly, been a while since I really listened to much uh, Rush, and I and I just reminded me as I was uh, sitting through Spotify and listening to the albums that I have. I mean, those are three really talented musicians, songwriters, singers, and they would have never made it real popular nowadays because they ain't the prettiest looking fellas. But uh, I mean, just just incredible musicians. All right, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page or uh, follow Pipes Magazine. on uh, Follow us on uh, Facebook or follow me on Facebook. Uh, do whatever you want. Uh, love getting the comments and uh, reading them all. All right, rant time next. Boy. 
Can I take this time to uh, maybe give a little rave? Yeah, a little positive for you. Uh, back in February, I think, maybe uh, early March, a new show called Live PD, L-I-V-E-P-D, came out on A&E. And what they do on Friday and Saturday nights for three hours is they're sitting there with six or seven different police departments across the country and just following along for three hours and they switch back and forth between them. But it's a really cool, fun show to watch and get the insight of what it's like daily to be a cop out on the streets of the U.S., not every arrest or every stop is exciting. Not everyone is uh, dramatic, but it's just a great way to get an insight into it, and it's a real fast three hours. We've been enjoying it every Friday night and Saturday night when we're when we when we watch it. It's just a lot of fun. If you get uh, A and E Live PD Friday nights and Saturday nights, three hours each. Uh, they even do some little. Uh, they they even show some interesting things that happen during the week because they kind of stick with those police departments through that week uh but again you'll see everything from the uh you know from the standard traffic stops all the way up to uh search warrants and uh, all kinds of uh all kinds of different stuff and it's just it's just fun it, it really is it's a fast three hours and it's the insight into what the uh, what the day-to-day routine is for a police officer here in the United States. And, hey, since I've been enjoying it, you must all enjoy it as well. So I figured I'd point that out and, again, say a little thank you to them for uh, bringing that show out there. All right, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Hope you all enjoyed my uh, pictures from uh, Las Vegas and uh, whatever, I was, whatever I was able to post up, because I don't know yet. And uh, keep telling your friends about the Pipes Magazine radio show. I want to thank Terry for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to Till we meet again. It's very important you don't stink today. Hey, I make no guarantees.